Your neighbors could be doing it, your friends, even relatives, and you'd never know until the blackmailers caught up with them. What else but blackmail and violence when the so-called good people of your community start swinging? Meet swingers and hellraisers whose only goal in life is fun, wherever and however. Our wife swappers are, in the main, drawn from that very strata of society which has previously been considered the very backbone of respectable urban life the affluent professional middle class. If you think that all the guy next door wants to borrow is your lawnmower, you'd better see the new motion picture, The Swappers. It's about the new game they're playing every day and every night in cities and suburbs and possibly in your own backyard. Maybe you should get to know your next door neighbor a little better after you see The Swappers. Rated R. You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean. So those chilling, chilling sound bites you just heard are from 1960s and 1970s movies, B-movies mostly, about the dangerous swingers lifestyle and uh, movies such as Wife Swappers or unholy matrimony are examples of this. And um, it turns out actually that there are quite a few swingers out there. Uh, these are couples that go to play parties and they, uh, you know, uh, have fun with other couples. Let's put it this way. And uh, they don't seem to be um, in trouble at all, actually. Uh, one such couple is C and D. And they're two Australians living in Singapore, and I was able to catch up with them. Uh, they do their own podcast. It's called Swinging Down Under, and I recommend you give that a listen as well. Also, listen in to the end of the podcast, and you'll get to hear a track from Real Genius called I'm Fine. The nice folks at Real Genius uh, let me use the track, and I really, really thank them. And I encourage you to go to their Twitter page. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with C and D. I guess I'll let you guys introduce yourselves so the audience knows who's C and who's D. Sure. So I'm C. I'm obviously the female part of the couple, and we are swinging down under podcast. And that obviously leaves me as D. So I'm the potatoes to her steak, I think, is what this common terminology is. <laughs> yeah, and together you make a saucy dish, obviously, right? Well, I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and the audience may be, you know, if they haven't caught on yet, swinging down under, I mean, that's why you're called C and D. It's good if you're, I guess, if you go into a uh, community that might not be accepted by your average prude Joe, that you may... Um, need to use an acronym and so c and d um anyway i thought i'd explain yeah, the obvious we, there <laughs> yeah we started that way because you're absolutely correct it is you know still a little bit different for being in the lifestyle and being accepted in general day-to-day -day community um there's that and there's also the work portion of it as well i mean a lot of companies are having a morality clause and perhaps this might not fit in with the corporate culture so we did that for a few reasons and then also we just wanted to be a little bit more amb 
ambiguous, you know. Um, Anonymous? Yeah. Yeah. Which is close. You were close. Yeah, I was close. It is Saturday morning. <laughs> could be ambiguous, too. I mean, uh, there's no stopping you be. from being both, right? <laughs> well, we we do like to explore all things in life, so yes, absolutely, we're yeah. greedy like that. We can even be obnoxious if we, if, you know, if anybody needs that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to get into. I guess uh, this is going to be a very uh, textbook kind of interview, I suppose, because I'm going to go into definitions first. So. Um, people have a lot of ideas about, I guess, what swinging is. Um, and actually, swinging is actually sort of part of a whole spectrum of, uh, if you might use the word spectrum, of different kinds of, uh, uh, you know, lifestyles, I guess is the right word, even though that word gets beaten around and it can, can have a negative connotation with certain folk as well. So you have swinging, you have hot wifing, you have cuckolding, you have cuck queens, you have unicorns. Um, I mean, what do you know the difference between those things? Like, I know I'm jumping right into this academic thing. Well, first of all, what's swinging? Okay, well, swinging's kind of an old term now, um, and, and most. People who live in this style of lifestyle, again, as you said, it's a pretty broad spectrum. Um, most of the people who exist in this, swinging is a word that sometimes drives some fairly old school thoughts, you know, keys in bowl, everybody's yeah. standing around <laughs> just drawing out who they're going to take to the bedroom. Now, that's not really – there certainly are aspects of that and there are people who are still involved in that, but the lifestyle has a bit of a broader connotation. It includes people like us. We, we term ourselves sociosexuals. So for us, we have to be interested in somebody mentally as well as physically for, the, for, for us to be uh, in any way sexually involved with them. But uh, if I go on to the other – the other terms, so certainly um, cuckold is something we understand as uh, now everybody's definition is of course is slightly and the different, different to this. As well. It's like yeah, if you course. said to somebody that you'd like and you play in a BDSM style, well, there's a difference between having a little bit more of a forceful um, terminology like, you know, do this you little slut or, you know, grabbing someone a little bit harder versus then the, the full other spectrum of that. So I think even within these terms like cockold in its essence is normally um, – it, it can also be very similar to hot wifing. So hot wifing is when um, you, you have a very attractive uh, partner, you love them, you think they're sexy, and your wife goes off and she'll be playing with other people. And um, a cockold version of that is a similar thing except she will talk a bit more dirty to you, talking down to you. So, you know, uh, his, his cock's bigger than yours, geez, it makes me come harder, these sorts of things. Yeah. And the cock queen is basically the reverse, you know, where the where the lady might um, cop some. I'm not saying insults, but it's the best word I can come up with from the husband reg or from the male partner regarding uh, the the woman that they're with at the time. So, it, but again, this spectrum's very broad. You know, people are everywhere from. Man, I I enjoyed him with me last night, which is kind of where C sits in the hot wifing spectrum. Mm. But it can also be all the way through to, well, you know, he's better than you in bed and I'm enjoying my sex with him more than, than I ever will with you, which is right up the other end of 
of yeah. uh, Coco. That that kind of like ties into maybe dominatrix or humiliation, that kind of thing. And uh, I guess uh, tied up with that, you've got uh, various kinds of hardware. You can have chastity, like locks and all that kind of thing to sort of put the man into submission for, for men who are into that. And I guess the other way around with Cuck Queen, it, it kind of, I guess that would just flip to the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, BDSM, even in the cuck hole, cuck hole, cuck queen style is, is right toward the what we would consider the top end. Now, it really depends on who you are, where you sit in that spectrum. Certainly, BDSM, we've had some... Uh, some tinkering with, I think is probably the best way to put it, because yeah. we've never really found it that interesting. Um, certainly it's interesting to watch sometimes, but it's not inter- interesting to us in our sexual repertoire. But I guess going back to your original question about the, the whole definition, you know, swinging as a term started actually in the Air Force, in the military. That's kind of where the history mm. of this comes, particularly in the United States. And it was for when the uh, Air Force went away and their uh, friends would look after, you know, quote unquote, their wife back home. And so that's why it does have this really older terminology. And now we move into these other terms that are used, you know, the lifestyle or open marriage, open relationship, these Ethically sorts of things. Ethically non-monogamous. Ethically non-monogamous, you yeah. know. Um, and all of these really, it, it, it comes down to really what you define yourself as um, and and how you approach your relationship and how you approach, uh, you know, this lifestyle, I guess. But even that can be seen quite negative because people hear the term lifestyle and they think, whoa, whoa, I don't want this to take over my life. You know, this is a hobby for me, not an entire lifestyle so yeah it can vary quite a lot between people who you have who you're talking to uh, i'm assuming that a lot of swingers don't just get together and as you say take the keys out of the bowl and say okay now i'm gonna fuck you tonight have a great time okay great thanks uh, that was fantastic i guess i'll never see you again that kind of thing i'm assuming that the you know a lot of swingers in the lifestyle have amicable or relationships with uh, the people that they're swinging with right Oh, absolutely. We actually um, classify that kind of a relationship as pants-on, pants-off friendship. So we actually enjoy having friends who we can go to a wine and cheese tasting with and we may or may not come back and play with them. You know, we may just enjoy each other's company sometimes and the next time it could be a raunchy foursome or sixsome. Um, and, and then, yes, there are, I guess, certain feelings of friendship to that and the next level would be that polyamorous relationship that more deeper relationship or in including some love in there if you decided to go well, down that pathway i mean it's still somewhat gray even in there because we certainly have some couples who we who we love now i like to put this in perspective for people because we're not polyamorous um we're not in a polyamorous relationship and we have no urge to do that currently you know you never set a never set a rule is what i like to say We have friends who we love very much, but I love my parents as well, but that doesn't mean I want to jump into bed with them. You know, I I love my siblings as well. But there's many different variances across the world of love as well. You know, a a couple of differences I just gave then versus the love I feel for C, which is, uh, which is a much more deep and, and I suppose, long lasting than than what i feel with the other mm. the other couples yeah. and and that's not to to degrade 
the relationship or the or the love I have for them either, but it's just not a polyamorous scenario. I mean, I would assume in order to be able to support a relationship like this, at least, um, or actually lifestyle like this, rather, at least um, uh, in a healthy manner, um, requires a great deal of love, uh, communication, and trust. I mean, think about how uh, if you're just even slightly insecure about your relationship with your partner, and then you go to a, a swingers uh, party or a swingers club or something, I mean, that mo- that can wreak some pretty bad havoc. Uh, maybe not that night, but, you know, at- afterwards, one might assume, right? It's very easy to get things wrong and very difficult <laughs> to get them right. Yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. We we regularly still do things wrong, um, and I use the term wrong broadly as well because the joyous thing, and you touched on it there, is the the word communication. And and we now, with being involved in this lifestyle, have the ability to to discuss things that we never would have been able to discuss before. You know, uh, just the ability to bring things up that once were entirely taboo or you thought would upset the other person. Now we actively work to explain the upset, you know, why we're upset. And that could, I mean, it's not just for upset things too. Like take, for example, we were out having a, some dinner and drinks last weekend and, you know, I turned around to D and this is in public over dinner. We're having some wine. And I said, you know what? I really need to kind of practice going down on, on ladies because I don't think I'm really like, awesome in that regard and i i think gosh i think i need some practice how can i do better and so you know we wouldn't like these <laughs> we sat of- there at the dinner table uh, wiggling uh, our tongues in the air I, wondering yeah, we, what people <laughs> around us were thinking he was asking me if i'm doing the downwards motion and i was like like this and you know so i mean yeah we discuss things more we discuss things that might trigger us or perhaps uh, upset or a bit negative but i think we also discuss just generally more things you know uh, yeah, whether even it be out of the lives, or not. yeah of course even out of the lifestyle you know there's a lot of things this has opened up to us that that again once were taboo like i i feel ugly today or you know like that the things that you deal with every day that sometimes couples just don't discuss and they sweep it under the carpet and hope it'll go away and in a lot of occasions as it comes back to bite comes back to bite them later mm. One of you or both of you had to have somehow communicated the fact that you wanted to bring other people into the relationship, at least uh, sexually, and um, that takes some pretty big cojones. Uh, I, you know, uh, how do you bring that up with your 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 girlfriend or your wife? I mean, hopefully, I mean, the ideal situation is that you meet them and it's already all predefined. Uh, well, I guess for us, so to put some perspective for your listeners, um, we actually just celebrated our ninth anniversary together as a couple and our mm. fourth anniversary together in the swinging lifestyle. Um, they were both uh, within a day of each other. So we were were together in a- <laughs> Unplanned. Unplanned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an anniversary present. <laughs> yeah. We were together for a number of years and, and we know other couples who have been to, you know, monogamous for 10, 15 years before they have, you know, quote unquote, the conversation. And- it uh, it can be, I guess, nerve wracking. So it was actually D who brought this up. So I'll let him. You know, you said big cojones. Yeah, it it does take a lot of courage. So I don't know, D. You probably might have more insight than me. It, you are right. It really does, and it, it took me a long time to actually get to the point 
where I would have that conversation with you. But the way I looked at it, and the reason it originally came up for us is because I'd asked see what her fantasies were, and she actually had none. And this was focused on sexual fantasies. But even since that conversation, we've realized that her fantasies even for life in terms of dreams and things like that she didn't really have any at that time so i kind of set myself a mission to to try and find something sexually that would be a fantasy for c and that went through a lot of different phases before it got to the point where i said well what about somebody else in the bedroom and and that's the question that i posed which was a very palsy question, and I was expecting the worst. And I have to say, C reacted reasonably well. I mean, you certainly initially thought I could see, and I knew this would, knowing knowing the woman, I knew what the reaction would be somewhat. And initially it was, well, am I not enough for you? You know, so we had to work through that first before we then got to the point where we could discuss anything else. And that took months. Yeah. And I think when people ask us for advice about, you know, how how do I have a conversation with my partner about this? My, you know, being on the reciprocating end of this conversation, my advice is always know the reasons why you're interested in it. So then you can articulate that better to your partner. So it's a very different conversation if Dee had approached me and said, you know, I want to sleep with another woman versus him approaching me and saying, hey, how can we enhance our sexual right. relationship together? How can we focus on this together as a couple? Very different conversation. And, you know, yes, I did initially feel like, whoa, am I not enough? You know, yes, these insecurities are going to run through your head automatically. You have no control over it. And then me then asking D questions and him knowing what was his intentions and being able to articulate that really helped me then to understand. Whereas... If he'd have just said, I want to sleep with another woman and I started asking questions and he was a bit wishy-washy, I probably would have been taking it a little bit of a negative, more negative way than what I than what I did. And it's a convoca- conversation that requires pauses to to think. You know, when, when C reacted, my reaction was not to react because the best way to start a fight is to blur something out. Wow. Um, that, That's that super wise. About. So you just have learned well. And th- <laughs> <laughs> just to stop and think and, and then say, look, this is a discussion I want to have with you. I don't want it to d- turn into a debate or a fight and we can stop it at any stage. That That's kind of important, I think. Yeah. Process time. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean- um, to be honest, uh, some of the research I've done online, which has involved some uh, arduous uh, um, trips to certain sites, let me tell you, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't all completely not enjoyable, I'll tell you that. Anyway, when I was doing my research, um, I found that um, uh, you had you had different dynamics. So you had some couples where obviously... Um, the woman was into it, you could tell, and she was happy and excited. And then you had other relate dynamics where it seems like the guy, um, just wanted a performance and he wanted the woman to sort of, you know, do it, 
but the woman was not exactly into it. And it made me wonder, like, you know, what the dynamic was. Was she was she doing this for her or was this whole production just for him to get a show? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There are certainly some ladies out there that are doing this because they feel obliged to. Just and to and I might I might reverse that as well. There's certainly some men out there mm, as well yeah. that are in exactly the same boat. You know, a lot of men go into this thinking, this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to get to see two ladies go at it. And then it actually gets to that and they realize, actually, this is not what I'm interested the in. The fantasy you know? was better than the, the reality in that case. Yeah. One of the glorious things about fantasies is is you get to move the pawns. You know, the fantasy only occurs in a way that you want it to. And when you put fantasy into reality, you now have emotions and other people doing things that you may not have programmed them to do. So that really changes the dynamic substantially. And we do find couples like what you just described, you know, where perhaps one person is doing it just to appease their partner or one person might be more interested than the other. We tend to actually not play with those couples. Um, you know, I like to, play, especially in a four-way, if it is a couple we're engaging with rather than a single, I like to know that she is as interested to be there and engaging also with D as as I am in the situation as well. And oftentimes if we get the the feeling that they're not on the same page, then we will actually back away and, and uh, go off and seek out other people who are on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about that communication, and sometimes the communication has to happen between couples. We've certainly said to couples in the past, look, tonight's not the night for it. We, we've had a, an emotionally charged experience before we got here, whether that be a dangerous taxi ride or a... Or <laughs> what just a, happened? Or, we've had a, a car accident on the way to a date, but we still pushed on, forged ahead. <laughs> or Or it could be something as simple as having a tiff before an event yeah. that you've not managed to settle you know you, you've just you've got to be cognizant of your own uh your own dynamic before you go into anybody else's yeah. that that's great and, and i mean speaking of uh going and finding other people um i mean how how do swingers meet up these days uh i mean on the internet i noticed there was lots of talk about this sort of messaging system called kick k-i-k and uh i mean there are boards i mean can you describe i guess maybe uh, a typical process uh, that occurs when you uh look for and find either a you know a single man or or a couple yeah, you're right. It's it's all the internet these days. I think it's like anything else when you're trying to find a, a relationship, be that friendship, be that long-term love. Uh, swinging is, is really no different. So there are a number of ways. So first and foremost, there are a number, and this is different all throughout the globe, even within the United States. There's a whole heap of different websites, and they're dating websites that are devoted for lifestyle uh, relationships. So whether that be that you are looking for a polyamorous relationship or maybe you're just looking for some threesome or more, a couple interaction, you can actually set up a dating profile and then go and search other profiles based on some criteria, geographical age, etc. So that's the, the most commonly used way. The second way is just actually to attend a swingers club if you are lucky to, enough to have them in your local area. They're fantastic fun nights out. 
And then, even if you're just a wallflower, yeah. they're they're great. I mean, for people watching, there is no place more fun than a swingers club, <laughs> and and normally there's a separate area where the conversation happens, and and most often any play, any anything outside of what you'd see in a normal nightclub happens somewhere else mm. in the uh, in the building. So it's not as foreboding as most people think it is. Yeah. You don't open the door and then walk into an orgy and you have to get naked. That's that's a misconception. It's not like eyes wide shut or something by Stanley Kubrick no. where you just walk in, you got the creepy Certainly. music and the masks. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have been to a party that was just like that. Yeah. And oh. I think we lasted about three or four minutes yeah. before we turned tail and ran <laughs> because, you know, the idea of everybody wearing a mask and me not knowing who's who everybody is uh, or at least who the person that i'm interested in is uh is not a fantasy is not a fantasy and in fact we tested that just recently mm. we did try you know we occasionally test our boundaries and one of them was that we wanted to always know the people that we played with and we tried just recently not knowing the people and we both agreed that it was Probably one of the worst sessions we'd had. Yeah, we went to a we went to a club on our way through the United States, and um, you know, when you're in a club, you can spend some time kind of building those relationships, and then you can sometimes people just go in there and they meet somebody that they have a quick chat with, have a drink with, and then they might go to the playroom, and that's what we did in this regard. And it, you know, again, it just was something different, but not necessarily. Um, for us, yeah. yeah. And then the third way that people find other people as well is actually through an app called Field. That's F-E-E-L-D. And you can find couples or singles. Uh, that's generally where we find most of our single men that we like to play with for our threesome play. I was once actually at a party and you went into this room that was completely pitch dark. You couldn't see anything at all. And everyone's all kind of stumbling around uh, on all fours. And uh, it was just sort of a touchy-feely party. And I really wasn't wasn't into it, mostly because I had no idea who was touchy-feely me, you know? And and also, as a a man, uh, I'm crawling around in this completely dark room, and I can tell immediately where all the women are, because it's just this horde of of men all around them it was really bizarre a very strange situation so i i get i get what you're saying with not being able to know who you're 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 playing with yeah that to me and i think i'm speaking for both of us here is probably one of the most frightening scenarios we could put ourselves in. You know what it is, too? It's all down to that trust factor. If you can't see and know the person that you're playing with, um, I mean, not just for your own personal safety, but for your partner. You know, I'm sure one of the things uh, that that Dee would always want to make sure of when we're playing with anybody is, hey, is is he going to try – not not physically on purpose hurt me, but, hey, I mean, down to even what is the size of his cock, is that going to hurt me? You know, so – yeah, I think that comes down to that level of trust and understanding and feeling like that person that you are ultimately being very intimate with and giving yourself to respects you as well. I, I, I guess couples are, are one thing, but uh, have you ever had any issues finding men that are not, uh, you know, dodgy or a little odd? Is that a challenge sometimes? I, I'm 
totally going to field this one. Yeah, that's you, babe. <laughs> I'm handing you the talking dildo. Um, I had a little rant on this in my last podcast. Uh, we, we generally find couples reasonably easily. Um, couples are uh, – there's plenty out there. It's just finding where they're hanging out in that location. So, C touched on the fact that there's many websites, even in the US, you know, there's a lot of regional stuff that you won't know unless you live there for a while or you meet somebody local and then you find out what it is. I mean, we didn't even know the local Australian one until we went to a swingers club and somebody said, what's your handle for Red Hot Pie? And uh, we said, what <laughs> well, we was said, Red Hot Pie? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is Red Hot Pie? Is that some sort of like sex toy that we don't know about? So finding um, couples, once you sort of have navigated it, into the um, the underwater area, I suppose. You can figure, figure couples fairly easily. Even here in Singapore, there's plenty of couples here. It's just a matter of finding where to find them. The next thing we, which we've never done is single female. Um, we've never actively yeah. hunted a single female. We've certainly had some unicorns who've come after us in uh, both play sessions but also... Um, we, I've certainly had some people contact me on field and some other applications, but we're not particularly interested in that as a couple at the moment. So that's not where we're headed. But dodgy men. But dodgy men. <laughs> I was starting with the positivity. Oh, yeah. I'm going to trail off into the negativity. Well, we have had the company of some of the most fantastic, interesting, fun gentlemen. Gentlemen. Yeah. Um, Ever. In fact, we, we keep in contact with a number of our old play partners regularly, whether it be the ones in Australia where we started or people that we've met here in Singapore in terms of the single guys. But I have to say it's probably a 75 to 1 ratio in terms of the guys who are willing to be gentlemanly enough and also willing to put in a little... Now, I find this very interesting because putting myself in a single guy's position, if I believe there's an opportunity for me to get laid, my biggest problem will be not sending a message every five minutes to try and keep the communication moving. Yeah, like, now, don't forget about me. I'm still here. Yeah, but, you know, we've had guys that, that we've contacted and we've chatted for a couple of days and then they disappear for they, a month. Do you think they then just they come freak back out? and say, hey... No, no, that's not what it is. No, it's, it's laziness. It's laziness. Wow. Um, guys just go, well, you know, I was busy doing this. We, we've had a, a single guy that we were supposed to meet up with on a Saturday night who said, oh, look, I've actually got some friends that have, we've, we've had this date organized for, for a month. I've got some friends who want to catch up. They're good friends. So I've decided I'm going to go to that yeah, instead. He, he said, I can only see you on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. No, it's no. very silly. <laughs> so it is ludicrous. I'd like to fuck your wife, but uh, I've got uh, an old buddy in town, uh, you know, or or I gotta go wash my hair, so jeez. Yeah, I've got fridge magnets to wash. Yeah, this <laughs> big thing is that um, if if you were on a date, so say, you know, you are a single guy and, you and are you're dating out, a single and lady. you're dating another lady, you would never treat that other person, you know, like that. Um, so we've had all sorts of things where people don't turn up uh, dressed appropriately, having putting in effort, all these things that lead to, well, you're still dating. You know, you're still, you're dating a couple. There's no difference in 
you know, the amount of effort that she'd be put in dating. It's double the effort. You got to impress so. two people, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and to clarify, you know, dressed appropriately and, and gentlemanly, they're a broad spectrum as well. You know, it, no matter what lady I see her in the lifestyle, generally they put in some effort to make themselves feel sexy. And it's not whether they are sexy or not. It's the confidence is a big driver here. I've, we've certainly played with people that um, when we first met them, we thought, nah, not really our type physically. But then after getting to know them intellectually, it's like, oh, I can't wait to get into bed with you. Mm. And, and that's also refers to age range you know similarly there when we first started we had this age age boundary that we set you know not higher than this not lower than that and we very quickly figured out that it's actually a lot more to do with the spirit and also the fact that people are taking care of themselves mm -hmm. and and that's again a broad spectrum of what that means it's it's funny though because when you do find uh back kind of rolling back to your question when you do find a good single guy out there you would be surprised how many of our couple friends ask for references oh, like send him my way send him my way can you give him <laughs> our phone number we've heard that so many times it's right it's so you've unicorn, got and, right? and in fact oh yeah. the, the manicorn is is much harder to find than the unicorn because they just ladies tend to care guys for some reason just don't give a shit it's really <laughs> weird i don't understand it I mean, you, you probably have some standard for, for physical uh, appearance, but it's not like you're uh, necessarily asking them to send you a photo of their dong next to a ruler or anything like that, right? We, no, we don't do that. Um, we know couples that definitely do. You know, they like to see a cock shot um, within the first, you know, couple of chats. Um, that's really not something that I am particularly... I wouldn't say fussed on, but it's it's not a defining factor for me because there's other ways to, to play other than just the shape and size of your cock. Um, and so for for me, it's it's more about the the individual, you know. And I've played with men with all different uh, range, size, etc. And yeah, I, I would say that um, it's not yeah something that we must have uh, a defining factor for who we actually go after. And the same the other way around. When I first uh you know, got interested in this uh, sort of interview with a couple in the lifestyle, I was actually um, interested in talking about, you know, cuckolding and hot wifing. And, and it's mostly because um, I actually listen to uh, several political shows out there. And it seems like uh, a certain contingency of uh political groups out there, some of the neoconservative types, they started using the word cuck. And they they have this uh, they'll they'll call uh, I guess anybody who's uh, a little weak or wishy washy or or something they'll call them a, a cuck and they think it's absolutely hilarious and um, I mean a lot of people seem to believe that it's just the biggest joke of of, of all and uh, I'm just wondering uh, what do you what do you think about that what do you think about the that designation of cuck because I, I think that a lot of the people who use this would consider um, you D even though you may not consider yourself a cuck they may consider you a cuck simply because you allow your wife to uh, you know play with other men so let me I need to take a step sideways because it makes it a little bit more obvious um, if you or if anybody's ever been involved or seen a 
BDSM relationship, the person who's in control of that BDSM experience is never the dominant. It is mm. always the person who is seen as the submissive. Now, the reason behind that is because in very few occasions does a dominant actually wish to hurt their submissive. Well, there's a reason they've got a safe word, and that's the whole uh, point. The submissive can use that at any point in time. They're in control. And that will stop the relationship or stop that experience. Now, I've personally seen, you know, something that I consider kind of romantic, you know, a couple in a dom-sub relationship, and she was being flogged by him and and he could see that there was a piece of hair that was annoying her eye so he stopped flogging her to <laughs> lean over and slowly push the hair behind her ear right that's not that's not him being in control that is actually her being in control to the point where he needs to keep her happy by moving that hair away from her eye so to bring that back now to your question I absolutely believe that I'm in control of the, um, you know, the hot wifing scenario that we're in. And to me, I, I don't ever offer my wife to a guy. He has to earn the chance to be with her. And there is a mountain of things that he has to do right and very few things he has to do wrong for him to earn the privilege to be in the same room as us. And the other thing is I'm always involved in that situation. Now, that doesn't mean I'm involved with the guy, but I'm always involved in the situation. So C, C will, will always be reaching out to me as well as part of the, the play session. So I chuckle at that. Because they're obviously the guys who are using this in a derogatory nature um, are probably the same guys who ten years ago were using the word fag in a derogatory nature. Yeah, and, I was just about to make that connection. And we've now we've now gotten to the point where one's gotten accepted uh, as you know. Certainly, we have uh, gay friends who use that that term as a, yeah. a, a self defining word you know it's it's a term they're allowed to use in that way which is how a lot of these terms end up so in the future i, I see the word cuck will fit into the same same scenario and it, they're definitely probably using it in uh, a negative light and you don't know what you don't know so i would actually say that these people that are using that term derogatively are actually just completely unknowing and haven't educated themselves on what what the terminology and that's okay. Is. Yeah. I mean, we're not—we're all not educated on everything, and we can't be. I'd love to be the person who knows everything, but Google won't fit in my head. <laughs> so, I, you know, for, for them, I say, look, you'll you'll learn along the way, just as everybody did with the other derogatory terms that have now been um, self self actuated by the people who who they were used against in the past. You know, there's there's a plethora of of words that we can that we can put to the exactly the same thing. And actually, if I can just uh, share a little bit of insight, we went to a a party a number of years ago that is um, a, high, a high cost involved in the party. So actually, it's a, it's a very high cost to actually even attend. And they screen participants before they're even allowed to make the the payment or arrive at the party. And at this particular party, there are a number of political members from Australia and uh, lawyers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And at that night, we watched one of the political members actually being flogged. Um, yeah. So it's that power play differential, and I think everybody's different. And yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where some people make some uh, statements negatively, and and perhaps uh, we can look forward to the future and people not doing that. Hmm. Actually, uh, I'd like to share an experience I had. Uh, yeah, I was with a, a girlfriend a while back. We went to a uh, a club here in Montreal. There was a guy, and he was dressed up in, in chaps, and uh, you know, he sort of as a lady, if you want to use the the term, the terms. He was at this enormous, this big guy, and he's actually he's actually a policeman. So, and uh, in you know, outside in, in his regular job, he's a policeman, and uh, he wanted my girlfriend to spank him on the buttocks, and he basically wanted her to do it and continue do it and her hand her hand actually became numb and his his buttocks were oh, like just red like shining red like a like a, you know rudolph's nose and he, <laughs> the next time we went to the club we we just avoided him we're like my god he's so demanding like this sub is so demanding we gotta run away from this so I think you're very right about this uh, idea that uh, oftentimes it's actually the subs that are sort of in control because they need to be satisfied. Of course. I mean, they do hand control at occasions. You know, they do offer control to their dom. But you, you hear the way I put that forward. They offer control. They give control. They don't actually ever just assume that the other person's in control. Yeah back to the stigmas i mean i obviously there are some stigmas there where you're at in singapore and also where you come from in uh, in um australia w what about some of the uh general age racial backgrounds i mean is I, I have this vision of it being mostly you know middle-aged white couples who maybe upper class or 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 middle upper class is there a mix like do you get are there younger people who sometimes go to these parties or these groups are there are there people in minorities that would go to these groups generally or is it still kind of homogenous it's a it's a really good question actually because when we first started we just really didn't know um, what we were going to get i was 29 years old when we first started in the lifestyle and i thought gosh you know Am I going to be around people my age or similar to me? I had absolutely no idea. And it really is just such a cross-section. I mean, honestly, the amount of people that, that we meet through the lifestyle, the age range is different, the um, backgrounds are different, the, the religious beliefs are different, the financial status, all of these things. It's a massive cross-section. And I think that's one of the things that we really enjoy is the fact that you can be at a party, nothing is taboo, and we can have these conversations about someone's uh, religious beliefs, religious backgrounds, and then be talking about, you know, how do you feel about anal play in the next conversation. So <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to see so many people that you actually have a something in common with. There's a commonality there because you're both at the same party. Um but what I will say I've noticed in the last four years in particular that now there are much more people who are younger coming into the lifestyle mm -hmm. from what I've noticed. They're coming in at a younger age. At a age. Young, younger yeah, age, rather yes. than So because it historically, does. It, typically it, it took people either in a relationship or 
just starting off in a relationship somewhere in their mid to late 20s before they even contemplated this because it was still seen as somewhat taboo. But I think the education scenario right now and the way people look at their sexuality is becoming much more open. So people are actually going into these relationships and and certainly the, the younger people we've met, a lot of them started their relationship as non-monogamous, mm. as ethically non-monogamous. So and they've think, had that conversation up front. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons for that is that people, like nowadays, you are much more self-aware perhaps and more able to communicate within yourself and to other people what it is that you're after in life. I mean, we have so many friends who have worked together for 15 years before they join the lifestyle. And, you know, oftentimes the lady might say to me, yeah, you know, I've always been – a little bit interested what would it feel like to touch another lady to kiss another lady and you know she may have been feeling that way for 10 years but you know to be okay within yourself and then be able to communicate that to someone else you know i think is a really difficult thing so that's a i, I think a change that we've noticed is that yeah. as more uh, sexuality becomes just every day it's it's common and, and it's not um, shunned then i think what we're going to see is a, a, an even broader um, and more diverse spectrum of people in the lifestyle. How do you guys deal with the jealousy? I mean, is there a notion of jealousy, at least in your relationship, or do you see that maybe with other relationships? Jealousy is one of those things. It's always there, um, just waiting for something to change to, to make you think a jealous thought. Um, we all have we all have these things that will drive us instantly to a jealous um, reaction. What you, I suppose, learn to do with that is rather than you, you recognize it up front, okay, this is making me jealous, and you either have that discussion very quickly, and one of the things we've learned is that when that discussion happens, whatever it is that's causing that jealousy ceases immediately, right? That's the respect that is part of our relationship is if, if I voice a problem, then we stop doing what that problem is. And if C does, then that's the same thing. But jealousy is always there because there's always a perception that somebody might be able to do something better, be a better match to you physically, intellectually, or in other ways. And and there's also things that you're simply not capable of being, like you know, we've certainly played with some guys with some very big and very small penises. Well, I'm sort of middle of the road. I can never be those guys. So another thing is C likes to play with with women. Well, I'm not a woman, so I can't do that. So I have to be, and we have to be always conscious of the fact that there may be something that'll happen that will drive a jealous reaction. Now, certainly there's an onus on both of us to fix that. Yeah. Um, if I have a jealous reaction, the onus is on me to actually understand why that happened and then be sure to inform C why it's happening and what's happening that's driving that so that she can then stop and help me to get through that jealous moment. And that's reciprocal. You know, we, we both deal with that in the same way. Yeah, and I'm happy to share a story actually because when we first started out in the lifestyle, I was a little bit, well, I was a bit self-conscious, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, feeling like- You had a poor body image. Yeah, (laughs) and so in joining the lifestyle, that was something that we, we, and and me individually as well, we had to be cognizant of and and consider it. So 
very early in our lifestyle experience, I think it was around about one year in, I started to be able to communicate that better because having a jealous thought does not make you a bad person, but that's the way I perceived it. You know, geez, I'm such a bad person for feeling or thinking this way. And so we were out at a club once and Dee was talking to a very, very attractive lady. Um, and, you know, he was having his hands on her legs. Her legs were kind of over his lap. And I was off to the side. And at that moment, I felt a little bit like, um, you know, I wasn't engaging enough left in out. the conversation. I yeah. felt left yeah. out. And it, tri- it triggered me to think like, gosh, you know, here's this really intelligent, funny, sexy, well-dressed lady. Um, and maybe she's, you know, better than me. And I actually turned around to Dee and I said, hey, you know, this, this is, this is, this thought just occurred. Uh, this has triggered something in me and we had a quick discussion about it and the solution was actually that I put my legs over his legs and her legs and wrapped them around a little bit and we all engaged in conversation together. It was an easy fix but probably something that I wouldn't have voiced, you know, five five years ago. Mm. Yeah, that that's clever because, I mean, you're also tackling that at a level. I mean, the jealousy is coming from somewhere deep down inside and changing your actual physical relationship that's more than just an intellectual you know solution like hey stop being jealous you're actually doing something um you know biological like something in your deep down inside by changing your stance i think that's pretty clever if you think about it good good work well i mean you know the the i'm a student of body language and things like that being that i've been in sales my entire career (laughs) And started very early on. I think I read my first body language book when I was about 14 or 15 for a different reason. You know, now I understand body language to help me engage and sell. But back then I was doing it just to get laid, (laughs) uh, to be really frank. But um, I... Uh, you know, you can you can tell very quickly and you should be able to tell if you're in a relationship with somebody, especially a long-term relationship with somebody you truly care about. You can see when they're becoming uncomfortable through their body language, their mannerisms, even just the way they finish a sentence, whether it's with a comma or with a, a period, you know. Mm. So, um, the ability to look upon that and then say, well, I see they're possibly is something going on over here so i need to go back and re-engage with that person um that that's very important as well because jealousy is not a logical thing it's never logical um i mean certainly the first single male experience we had i had a major jealousy uh, internal um uproar that took me probably the better part of two days. But after was the next yeah. day that it actually occurred. So yeah, a, lot right. of, a lot of the times you really don't know when you're going to get triggered. So during the moment it was hot as hell. The next day, you know, D realized this guy's 10 years younger than me, fitter than me, more, makes more money than me, drives the same car as mm. I do. Holy hell, why isn't C with this man? You know, she could be with this guy, but instead she chose me. And so you do kind of have some of these thoughts every now and then. We have less now, I think, because yeah. we've grown. Well, I mean, also, like a lot of things, uh, consistent exposure and also dealing, learning the tools to deal with it, both internally and externally, drives a, a much better ability to deal with it. You know, I, I couldn't run a marathon tomorrow, but I'm sure in six months training I could. Mm. It's interesting how much, how, how all that stuff is... Uh 
it's not necessarily tied up uh, with uh, the size of the other man's penis or how he how he necessarily fucks. It's kind of like uh, other stuff. And I wonder, you know, if a trigger might be something like, you know, oh, this guy, uh, he's very funny, or or this guy, you know, he he's you know he's very eloquent with his with his thoughts or something like that. And it's interesting how you know. The, the sexy bit maybe during the, the heat of the moment is one thing, but then the thing that might trigger the actual jealousy is something completely different. Oh, you would be surprised. So a lot of the times um, when we're playing with couples and even if we'll get emails from our podcast and it'll be from a lady uh, in, within a couple and she'll say to me, D is so damn funny and I love his accent. Like he... I'm melting. I don't disagree. <laughs> and and we'll get, we went to a resort recently and uh, honestly, so many women will walk up to me with their partner and just say like the reason that they want to take Dee to bed is because of his personality and because of his wit and humor. And um, you would be surprised how often that actually gets him laid. And so I'm sure that probably some other guys, you know, yeah. um, who perhaps, you know, grew up in the States are like, well, I... I'm not as funny as him, or I don't have an Australian accent. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're any less, you know. Yeah. The, right. Yeah. The accent will get him. has their own trigger. Yeah. <laughs> it actually, it really does get him laid. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. Um, it does. It's ludicrous <laughs> how well it works. Um, I've never felt so attractive in my life than I do in the US. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've had literally a lady at Starbucks, a uh, uh, Put her, her phone number. number on the Starbucks cup. What about the seven-year-old uh, volunteer <laughs> community, um, <laughs> like tourism lady? She hit on you, jeez. Yeah. Oh my! Yeah. So I mean, it, but but for each, you know, for each couple, there's a different relationship, and for each couple, there's different triggers. We've certainly still got ours. We recognise those. Um, C certainly still deals with body image problems. Mm-hmm. Regularly, I'm um, a girl. I mean, yeah, it's a sad part <laughs> of our society. It's- it is. I totally agree. But interestingly, to take a sidestep there, in the lifestyle is the only place where I've seen ladies lift other ladies about yeah, their body. That's so, so true. You know, typic- it's quite typical in society, movies, um, even in every day. You see, ladies can tend to be quite negative about other ladies in the workplace or anywhere you know they say well that she's too big for that skirt or you know look at how she's dressing slutty or but you know mm-hmm. in the lifestyle I, I, I it's amazing how women shift that dynamic yeah. and they turn around and say wow you are looking slutty tonight you know and it's a positive connotation and it, it, they're actually reinforcing the the positivity of the fact that somebody's confident enough to walk out into um, a sexy space looking the way they are it, it's such a flipped dynamic yeah. and it's one of the biggest things about the lifestyle that's so different to everyday society do you have any experiences where maybe uh, a uh, a play night or something kind of went a bit uh, comically wrong let's say you know uh were there any uh anybody slip on any lube or you know, <laughs> did anyone end up getting a bloody nose hitting their head on a headboard i mean uh any any oh, crazy situations uh you can I, remember 
I've got two that I can think of straight away. Yeah, and I've got one I'm going to steal from somebody else. Oh, okay. I'm going to – okay, so I'm going to use my two first. Um, so, you just said about hitting your head on a headboard. So, yeah. we were visiting our friends in Sydney and they have a slanted roof. Um, so it's like, actually a loft. It's a loft. Their bedroom's mm. in a loft. So, it has a, a, a tilted ceiling that goes along with yeah. the lofted roof. And so, the four of us are all playing on their bed and I – um, I don't know. I just wanted to change positions, but I did it in a manner that was like super enthusiastic. So I kind of like you stood up, up and jumped on the bed, <laughs> jumped up, and I'm like, "Yeah, let's change positions. Like, I want you to fuck me from behind or something." And as I jumped, I smashed my head extremely oh. hard on one of the um, timber beams. Oh! And uh, our friend did the whole check because he was still in me at this time, and, and he, he said, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Oh, geez, yeah, I'm all right." And he goes, "Okay, well, shut up," and just kind of kept going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that all I'm, happened in quite a loving way, I might add. Yeah. It wasn't. It doesn't sound quite as. It good. was just fun. It was yeah. hilarious. But um, but you were dazed and confused for a little bit yeah, there. Was, he yeah. actually he did stop. I Later, think yeah. maybe you weren't conscious conscious for the period where he said, <laughs> but, "I'm, I'm going to stop now, and we'll just see whether there's going to be blood running from your but ears." The, but the endorphins so. might help, you know. So oh, yeah. <laughs> what was yours? Well, mine's stolen. This is one of the funniest stories I've heard, which was a lady who was in the process of being uh, double penetra- penetrated or DP, as the acronym goes. And um, her husband was just slipping into uh, slipping into her from behind. And as he did that, his foot slipped from the bed. Which meant he. This is funny, painful. This funny, is, painful. This is- <laughs> she laughs about it now. Maybe not at the time, but now. But his foot slipped off the bed, and again from a puddle of lube, like you were just discussing. And because of that, um, the slip basically forced him to to push straight into her without any sort of slow movements. So she. Uh, I think the word she used, she frogged her way out of the situation <laughs> because she just bounced herself <laughs> forward on the legs, and then um, and then took a little time to uh, to roll over and sort of recover from the surprise anal attack. Yeah. Oh, but okay. I, we, Sorry, we I didn't realise it was that whole. Coming yeah. to my mind. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, I, I um, yeah. So I was I was trying to keep it a little bit. Um, uh, a little bit softer, but yes, it was a, a DP scenario, and the uh, the front hole was already in yeah. use, so Engaged, he was just on yeah. his way into the yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, <laughs> he had a foot slip problem. Yeah, I mean, but we we've had quite a few, I guess, in our four years being in the lifestyle. We've had some really funny ones happen, but I I think what happens is you just kind of laugh it off and roll with the punches and just continue play. I mean, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, that example aside where she, she was, you know, hurt in the process, but I don't really think that uh, there's been anything that has stopped well, the play from continuing. Honestly, we, for us, if we're not laughing and having fun during play, then we're not doing it right. You yeah. know, we, we haven't engaged with the couple well enough to truly understand them because the majority of our, our play sessions include a shitload of laughter um, followed by generally an hour and a half of conversation, mm, naked and, conversation, and naked conversation, and possibly some more play because that that has given enough uh, time for the guys to to recover. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you have any suggestions for couples who are interested in looking into the lifestyle? I'm guessing just check on the internet for uh, for websites, dating websites, right? And listen to your podcast, of course, which is uh, Swinging Down Under. Um, yes. So, let's certainly <laughs> listen to us. I love the plug. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to throw it out there for all of the rest of the lifestyle podcasters, there's a mountain of podcasts out there that revolve around uh, swinging BDSM. You know, do your research first, have the discussions. I would say with- understand what you want to get out yeah, of the lifestyle. Absolutely. That's, that's key to this because once you fully understand what you as an individual or as a couple want to get out of the lifestyle, that's really going to direct your process and your education and where you kind of go to meet people or learn more about things. And as Dee mentioned, there there are a number of swinging podcasts out there. Some of them are great for beginners, like kind of a swinging 101. Um, some of them are funny stories and events and situations. And, and we kind of try to be a bit of the both, a little bit of informative with some kind of funny stories and sexy stories kind of thrown in amongst it. Um, the other thing that's important is make sure before you go into any situation you've deeply discussed your boundaries and your rules. Now, the difference between the two is that rules cannot be broken without a, a lot of discussion, whereas a boundary is something that will move depending on Sliding how scale. the yeah depending on how the night progresses or how the individuals all feel in it. You know, so we typically we go out with the same rules and boundaries. The rules are, if anybody is not in, engaged and not interested, there's a hard stop. The other one is, and the boundaries are more, well, what did you plan to get out of tonight? Do you have anything that you want to do going in? You know, we've generally caught up with these couples a few times. Uh, if it's a first time round, then generally we go in there with the boundary of, well, we don't play on first date. Now, I call that a boundary because it moves. It does move sometimes. You know, when, when we, if we really get quite engaged with a couple and and really feeling it, then, then we will play with them on the first night. But the boundaries and rules are very important. And your rules first time around may be we're going to be wallflowers and nothing's going to happen in a swingers club or something like that. And then you expand those from there, but start with where you feel comfortable and to figure out where you feel comfortable you have to understand what you want first so i'm going to end off with two questions um the first question is excited yeah the first question is what's the craziest place you've ever had sex Uh, i mean for me it was actually at the um washroom uh of my work my office uh so that was that was a big deal. It wasn't with anyone in my office though. It was uh, with my girlfriend at the time. But uh, have you guys done had sex uh, or or threesomes or or foursomes or something in in any kind of crazy, uh, wild out there places? Well, I guess we we've had sex in a cinema together as a couple before. I can't even remember the movie. I don't. Isn't that <laughs> interesting? I don't know why really I don't remember the movie. <laughs> And uh, we also recently had some um, play in the back of a van in, in Phuket in Thailand, driving between a party and a hotel. So mm. there was four of us 
in the back of the van, um, kind of actually an over two rows of seats as well. Yeah, so it was a very difficult scenario. <laughs> um, she nearly dislocated her hip <laughs> just trying to give the guy a blowjob. Bouncing so. around the back of some dirt roads in Thailand <laughs> uh, and uh, trying to kind of lean around a set of chairs and give, give a guy a blowjob. Um, yeah, a little bit tough. Got to be careful. You so, got to keep your um, eyes on the and- road too. <laughs> well, we, we weren't driving. Had a we were in the back of a van. Oh, taxi okay. Guy. So okay. That, that's yeah. So we first thing we did was um, work into the front seat, tip all the mirrors out of um, out of alignment, <laughs> so he couldn't see what was going on. And then, yeah. So that would actually probably be our craziest, um, craziest sex entirely. But we didn't, I mean, that. let's stipulate there was no penetration here, yeah, but our definition of sex is, is anything that, uh, and this is another interesting conversation, is we go low, lowest common denominator on a lot of these things. So C's version of sex is anything that involves anything sexual, so that includes kissing can be a sexual act, whereas when I first came into this, my version of sex was penetration. Mm. So yeah. you have to align some of those terms as well when you're coming into this lifestyle. Yeah. So question number two, and this is your your kind of Oprah kind of question. Um, so over Are the you last- give us a car? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Under your seat, you'll find a car. Um, so over the past four years, I think you said, um, in, in your sort of swinging uh, lifestyle, um, what are some of the big things that you've learned? Like, what are some of the, like, larger lessons or, or, or things that you've learned during this time that you can impart upon the listeners? Well, I guess um, one thing that I was very surprised about was the community that is actually in- included in the lifestyle. So, what uh, what I've learned along the way is that part of the reason why I enjoy engaging in the swinging lifestyle uh, and, and within the community is because of the people. And it's not just about sex for me. It's actually about meeting other like-minded people where nothing is taboo and we can just enjoy everything that life has to offer us. Um, you know, we have friends that we will go out and have a crazy night dancing or spend, uh, you know, an exorbitant amount on food and, and wine and cheese and then come back and then just have crazy, sexy fun, um, you know, and using, you know, you wake up the next morning and there's like 15 condoms strewn around the bedroom. Um, you know, so that was something that I've learned is that actually for me I can open up more, I can be – myself around more people and and also that's kind of led to me understanding myself a little bit more because I haven't been then you know ashamed or guilty or any of these things I can actually sit back and think well what do I actually want you know and I can easily approach D and say hey you know I would love a gangbang for my birthday I want five guys and we can discuss it if that's what I wanted there's there's nothing that's off the table um I would add to that that no, get your own. There are- get your own learning. <laughs> okay, my, it is my learning. So let me step to the side then. Your turn now, Dee. Um, yeah. Okay, go. Um, now, uh, I, I've found one of the the biggest things in the lifestyle is there are no freaks in the lifestyle. You know, and I use that term in a positive nature. You know, there's nobody in the lifestyle that could say something that. Anybody in the room would go, wow, that is disgusting. 
or get away from me. You know? most, most time if somebody tells you something, it's like, ooh, tell me more. Yeah, exactly. Like, like how like, would you do that? You know, um, you know, exactly. I mean, and, and it drives conversations for us as a home as well. Like, you know, we've, we've had people say to us, well, I had double vaginal penetration last night and see the first thing she did was grab a crutch and go, ooh, how does that work, you know? Logistically, how did you do that? <laughs> so, there's um, – uh, there's there's that aspect of it. You you can be truly open, and you can be uh, bi female, bi male, across all broad spectrums of everything in terms of your sexuality, and nobody will really openly judge you on it. I mean, people have got their biases, and they will take that home and have a discussion about it. But the culture of the lifestyle is that it's very self policing. If if somebody makes other somebody else feel uncomfortable generally they're escorted to the door very quickly. And the reason behind that is because if a lady, for example, feels uncomfortable, then nobody's getting laid that night. So the men will self-police that very quickly. You know, we've had guys that have been led from nightclubs, not by the owners or the bouncers, but by guys who are there who, who've recognised that this person's making other people feel uncomfortable. So... That is a, is a major learning for me is that it's a very comfortable environment and that includes anyone who's new. You are not expected to be involved in anything and, in fact, most lifestylers or swingers or whatever you want to call them will do their best to protect new people coming into the lifestyle because we all want new people in the lifestyle. You know, we want to meet new, interesting people. We want to expand our sexuality and expand the the knowledge of all things, you know, religion, politics, everything else. It's such a broad spectrum of society, but a niche group. We do our best to try and make it inviting for other people. And that doesn't mean dragging people in. It just means exposing people to something they may not have been exposed to previously. Uh, thanks so, so much for being on the show, guys. No, thank you for sharing a slice with us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that's about it for this episode. I'd really like to thank C&D from Swinging Down Under podcast for being on the program. I'd like to encourage you to go check out their show. It's available wherever podcasts are available. I'd also like to encourage you to go to the shareslicepodcast.com website uh, there you're going to be able to find links to uh, my Twitter, Facebook, and a button to subscribe to the podcast on pretty much any platform. In addition, the show is participating in the Two Pods a Day initiative. That's hashtag Two Pods a Day. And you can find a lot of really interesting podcasts there. They're all indie podcasts. Remember, listen indie, listen often. I'd also like to thank the fantastic plastics as always for letting me use their music for my theme both intro and outro ending off the program i'd like to introduce a band from la called real genius and real genius have an awesome 80s kind of sound and this track is called i'm fine thanks so so much for listening and hope you'll be back next time